Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system. Or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle-tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Hi, everyone. It's Robin. And I want to tell you that today on Dear Headspace, we have got questions about recovering from major surgery, continuing your practice during the good days, and using mindfulness to get to an ever-growing to-do list. Here we go. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit with a meditation teacher and we answer your questions. Hello, everyone. I'm Robin Hopkins, and today it's me and Kasanga coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I don't know, I'm in that kind of mood today, I did Robin. not I mean, see that coming. I did not see that coming. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the the kids are off today, so I'm going I'm to 
I'm a little wacky. I'm oh, a little wacky right now. I already know what that's like <laughs> for you. I just do. All right. Without further ado, here is our first question from UV. All right. Hi, my name is UV. I'm from Brisbane, Australia, and I have a question for you guys about how to adapt to sudden changes in life. I'm currently recovering from a knee surgery. So I've just torn my meniscus, um, and I've just been constrained at home and pretty much doing absolutely nothing I'm not a very big fan of, but from someone who's been very active throughout most of my life, um, who socializes a lot, and I enjoy my hiking, I enjoy my nature, but all of that being suddenly stripped away now is makes it a little bit difficult to process and difficult to stay positive during times like these. So any advice on how to look at this in a positive way and being mindful about it would be awesome. Thank you. Change in and of itself is or can be difficult, right? And then add to that, it's dealing with um, physical injury. Yeah, and loss of routine, loss right. of like your whole that that really knocks that can really knock you out. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Physical injury, I think, is one of those things that can be extremely stressful, mm -hmm. and you don't even realize it. Yeah, until it's like present especially as, as you stated he's used to being active yes if you're used to being active and then all of a sudden you get an injury and then you're like sidelined yeah oh my goodness that that can be extremely stressful extremely tough so yeah uv i i'm so sorry that you experienced this injury and 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 send you all the um the healing energy <laughs> that <laughs> that that we can it reminds me so um, I used to be an acupuncturist, and um, wait, I worked wait, with, you were an acupuncturist? Like, how many jobs have you had in your lifetime? You didn't. I'm also, I'm also a fireman. So no, no come I'm, on. I'm oh, I thought totally, you were totally serious. I was to like, no, 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 no. I'm totally playing. I'm totally I was like, playing. What? <laughs> but yeah, so I was an acupuncturist. I actually had a private practice for about 13 years, but I used to work with athletes. Yeah, and I remember um, when I was transitioning into teaching mindfulness and meditation. And one of my first clients that I used, I used my acupuncture patient, and it was a wrestler. He was a college wrestler, mm -hmm. he was a senior in high school, D1 school, and he had gotten injured. Mm -hmm. Very similar to what UV's dealing with. Um, it wasn't a meniscus, it was he had torn his ACL. Yeah. And he was sidelined. He had dreams of going yeah, to the Olympics. I was going to say Olympics. that takes out many a good athlete. Oh, my goodness. And he was, oh, my goodness, he was devastated. And so I, I really used him as one of my first clients with uh, mindfulness and meditation. And I remember with him, it was, it was like in his head. He was just in his head on top of the misery, which is completely Real. normal. Yeah. Right. Completely normal, completely okay. He had all, all of this negative self-talk, you know, like, like, what's wrong with me? I can't believe I did this. Uh, my life is over. Um, this sucks. You know, just a lot of negative self-talk. And so with him, from a mindfulness standpoint, and we've talked about this in, in past episodes, I believe, but it's really focusing on the, uh, the concept of acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, if you recall that formula that, that, I, um, that I introduced where it's like the stress times resistance mm -hmm. equals suffering. So if that resistance is at a zero, no matter what that stress is, the suffering that you experience is going to be at a zero, right? Now, of course, that's ideal. That's ideally speaking. 
But the idea here is to really pay attention to the resistance that you're bringing to that stressful situation, especially if that stressful situation is something that you can't change. Yeah. Like a physical injury. You can't really change that. You have to really just learn how to be with it. Yeah. But the resistance that you bring to it can really, really make a difference. It makes all the difference. So, you know, and and it's going to be some ebb and flows. Yeah. It's not like a... A, a one-shot deal. Oh, okay, I'm not bringing resistance right now. <laughs> I'm healed. I'm, right, I'm healed, <laughs> right. It's really about that constant being in the moment, being aware of, you know, how you're how you're moving in each moment. So with my client, I was working with him for, for many months, but the resistance that he was, of course, with consistent practice, he was able to, it's like, 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 like that stress resiliency just kind of kicked in. Yeah. And he was aware of when he was in that space of negative self-talk. Yeah. He was able to take those deep breaths, shift his mindset. And what ended up happening is he discovered a huge love of reading. Really? Yeah. So, so that's there was space. What, there was open space. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And in that space, he was able to discover a more skillful way to deal with this injury. Yeah. I want to ask you, UV mentioned that he works out a lot or, you know, he's physically active. And mm. I think there is that other side of, you know, like with your example with the wrestler, it was like there was a loss and there was like a future he thought he had. Whereas with UV, there might be, you know, like I take walks because the physical activity helps kind of boost my mood. It helps me feel better. It sure. makes me feel. So if he doesn't have that, that's, I'm assuming that's where the practice has got to kick in, or what other thoughts do you have around that? Well, with the practice, it'll help. I, I think UV, it'll, it'll help him to it'll help you discover other alternatives to coping with the situation. Yeah. Literally, this is just literally off the top of my head. It might be a, a deeper appreciation for the physical therapy that you might be going through. Right. You know, so that physical therapy might start to feel that much more enriching. Yeah. Right. Where you'll be able to come home and you'll be able to dive into that physical therapy more so on your own. Yeah. Again, this is an example. We're appropriate. I'm not trying to. Yeah, of course. Of tell course. You to, to <laughs> no, I, I mean, as the I have to yeah. say that disclaimer of like, please follow right, right, all right. your medical right, doctor's exactly. <laughs> advice, exactly. please. <laughs> These are just examples. But what I'm trying to say, it may highlight that action that will make navigating through this already difficult and stressful time that much more easier, that much more pleasant. Yeah. And, and yeah, that much more um, doable. Yeah. And that awareness of that negative self-talk, I, I think, is so key. Yeah. Because a question I often get is, you know, what do you mean by resistance? What, what, what is that? Yeah. You know, oftentimes it's that negative self-talk um, that, that, we, that we consciously or subconsciously um, are aware of that we do to, with ourselves. That's interesting. That's interesting. And I just, I just keep thinking about what you said, you know, that something else might show up. Like there might be like, maybe you play an instrument and you haven't had time to play it, or maybe you love singing or visiting with friends or going to the movies, like whatever you're able to do physically. Right. Like this might be some time and space that you have or that you, you know, a project that you always wanted to start or need to start, but just haven't gotten around to. Like, the, if you've got that extra time in your life, there might be space to to do different things. The possibilities are really endless, right? I'm thinking about writing, you know? Yeah. And it, it could really be anything, but the idea is by creating that space, by stepping into that space of acceptance first, yeah. 
it creates that clarity yeah. for you to be able to see and discover, oh, wow, this is something I can do. And you may discover, you know, this could be a time to discover a, a new passion, a new love, kind of like what you were talking about. Yeah. Well, good luck, UV. And we are here and we're sending you healing vibes. Wishing you a speedy recovery, UV. Absolutely. Okay. All right. We are going to roll right into our next question from Marie. Here we go. Hello, my name is Marie. I'm from the Czech Republic. I have a question about meditating during happy times. I struggle to stick to my meditation routine when I'm feeling well mentally, when I'm back home from university, or when I'm spending time with friends and family. Could you give us some tips on how to stick to the practice even when we feel like we don't need it? Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm laughing, Marie, because if you could see my face, um, this is me. Like I, I like I'm like I'm healed. I got this. And then all of a sudden, I forget all of the things that helped me feel better <laughs> right out the window. I think it's human nature, though. I, th I think it, I think that's just how we operate oftentimes as human beings. So you know, first thing I would say is don't be hard on yourself, Marie. This is a wonderful question. This is an excellent yeah. question. Yeah. I think meditation is one of those things where. If you're feeling good and everything seems to be clicking on all cylinders, then it's easy to kind of push it aside. Yeah. Kind of like what you, what you said, Robert. <laughs> I'm too busy going yeah. out and celebrating my life. <laughs> yeah, right. But I would say the opposite. Mm. So I would say when everything is going well, when everything seems to be flowing smoothly, that's the time. That's an opportunity to dive even more into your practice. Oh, do give me a little more on that. Yeah, because inevitably, right? Inevitably, we're going to be faced with stress again. Yeah. I, I think of the metaphor of the waves. John Kabat-Zinn talks about, you know, the waves. You can't stop the waves, waves being stress and turmoil in your life. You yeah. can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf, right? So, yes, right now, the ocean is tranquil. <laughs> Everything is flowing smoothly. Everything looks and feels good. But inevitably, there's a wave that's coming. It could be big, small, or something in between. Yeah. It, so when this, when when everything is tranquil, when the ocean is tranquil, diving into your practice even more so allows you to build up that that resiliency. Yeah. So when that wave inevitably comes, <laughs> right, and crashes down, then you're able to hop right back up on your surfboard, you know, almost like a superhero, right? Just <laughs> pop up, you know, just bring, you know, your, your, your surfboard comes out and you just hop up on that wave because you've been practicing already. Yeah. So you're just surfing. You're able to just surf that wave. Yeah. More effectively, you know, you may, yeah, and of course, you know, nothing's perfect. You may fall off, but then you'll be able to hop right back on versus, oh, wow, I'm feeling really good. The ocean is tranquil. Let me just float on my back and just <laughs> chill. You know, I'm not even going to worry about, you know, my meditation practice right now. And then when that wave comes, you're going to be in trouble because you're not in the space. You're not in the in the, in the the space of practicing, you know. Well, and you know what's tricky about the Kesanga is that, like, when we're doing really well or when I'm doing really well, I that's what I'm like. I'm going to celebrate myself and I'm going to go do the yeah. tennis. I'm going to do whatever this thing is that I want to do because everything's going so great. And you're right. It is the worst thing I can do, but it feels in my head like I'm doing a nice thing for myself. So I would say perspective is, 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 <laughs> is 
crucial <laughs> with, with, with that example. You know, my question would be, why isn't meditating and journaling and all those things you named, why isn't that treating yourself? It is, but I think sometimes I process it as work, as like self-help right. work that I have to do to be healthy and well. And I think there are some days where I'm just like, I'm just tired of working on myself. Like, can I just like go meet some friends and have a cocktail and sit outside and put my feet in the grass? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's how it mm -hmm. shows up for me. I don't know if, how it shows up for Marie. My question would be, why can't it be both? Yeah, why can't it yeah. be all encompassing, right? You know, this might be a, a, a moment. And, and again, uh, this this would be helpful for you, Marie. Um, this, this could be a moment of reflection. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a class that, that I used to teach MBSR. It was an eight-week course, and on the fifth week, the opening meditation was a reflection meditation mm. where you reflected on the reasons why you're taking the class in the first place. Oh. You know, what, what, what is your intention here? What is, what is your motivation? Why are, you, why are you taking this class? Why are you stepping into this space of mindfulness and meditation and, and, and this lifestyle? Because it's really a lifestyle, yes. right? It's not, it's not just about when you're feeling stressed. Right, it's, it's a lifestyle shift. Why are you embracing this lifestyle shift? And that reflection, oftentimes, is it, well, actually, it's designed to kind of reignite that that intention, that purpose, that spark that brought you in in the first place. Yeah. So that's something that that you know, every so often in your in your just your everyday life, you can just reflect. You know, why why, why do I decide to meditate? Why why am I practicing this lifestyle of mindfulness. Yeah. And I can almost guarantee with consistency, it'll, it'll become second nature. Yeah. Like, let me ask you this, Robin. Yeah. When's the last time you, you, you stopped and reflected on the reason why you brush your teeth? Right? It's not something that you no, normally do. No, I don't need right. to. Because <laughs> right. exactly. I, I get cavities. Right. But, but it's something that's like second nature. Yeah. You yes. know, it's the so same thing with the practice, you know. Yeah. So I I would just just kind of it's that perspective shift. Yeah. You know this this is a this is a lifestyle. This is something that we just do. Yeah. Whether we're feeling terrible or whether we're feeling yeah perfectly good. No, that's valid. And Marie, I will say to you from from my point of view as someone who is exactly where you are and you know and trying to work through this same thing. I think of what each one of these teachers has said that I've been you know blessed to sit across the mic from them and hear them say to attach it to habits that you have. And that's what I'm currently trying to do is to attach it to like, you know, Kesanga talks a lot about, you know, brushing your teeth or the first time you take your feet off out of bed in the morning or at night. So I'm trying to attach it to things that are habitual for me. Um, and what I'm learning is like, if I start my day and I don't do those things that are for my health and well-being, they don't happen. Like I just had a great week like of, of journaling and of meditation and walking Monday through Friday. And then Saturday I got up I was off schedule because we had something to do really early. And then it wasn't until nine o'clock at night. I was like, oh, crap, I didn't do any of my things. And then I was like, I guess I'll do them tomorrow. You know, so it's like it, mm. like I could have used that opportunity of putting my feet on the floor before bed and being like, OK, let me let me reset now or let me remind myself why. So it, like I just want you to know, Marie, I'm with you and I'm that's something I'm struggling with. And I just keep starting again, you know, just start again. Yeah, you, there are two things you, you said that that was so powerful, Robin. The last part there, starting again, right? That's There's always an opportunity to just start now because every moment is brand yeah. new. 
And the other thing was the, the, the flip side of that we often give about attaching it to um, something that's in your everyday, you know. Yeah. I do give the example of putting your feet, you know, on the floor first thing out of bed. And what you said, it really just struck me because it's like, what if I don't do it? You know, oftentimes if I, like what you're saying, if, if, I, if I miss it, oh, let me just throw it out the window, it's over. Yeah. And that's not the case at all. Yeah. And Marie, just know if you ever feel like lost or whatever, I'm right here with you. And just know <laughs> that I'm probably somewhere, I don't know, across the globe from you going like this. I should probably do it right now. So you're not alone. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about this this whole podcast is that you're not alone. Absolutely. This is a this is a global community. Global. All right. <laughs> you know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord. And others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Let's go to our last question from Michael. Hello, this is Michael from Vancouver. I'm currently a student in university, and it feels like I'm drowning in my to-do list. So here's what happens. I have a massive list that I have to tackle every single day. But when I actually sit down to get the list checked off, I would feel stressed by it, and I wouldn't actually do most of it. Of course, and then the list would get piled up higher, and I get stressed higher, and I would put the list off further, and more things pile on, I get more stressed, and then more things pile on, I get more st- and the chicken of the neck vicious cycle forms. And now every morning I wake up, I have this huge pit in my stomach for just how much I have to do that day. Of course, metaphorically, not an actual pit. Um, so my question for you is, is, how do I use mindfulness to change my relationship with that list? Thank you so much. And I look forward to maybe hearing back. Thanks. That was so, that's such a good question. I feel a little bit like these questions might all be centered around my life today because, (laughs) (laughs) but that was, that was so great. I mean, to-do lists are, I find them to be the most helpful thing in the world and also quite possibly the most stressful thing in the world, you know, in terms of your, if you don't have your relationship to them right or the reason that you're doing them. Yeah, they can for sure be stressful. To-do lists, uh, you know, they, they're everything. Yeah, yeah. before I go to bed, I write my to-do list yep. for the next day, you know. I, you know, it sounds like Michael and I share something in regards to just procrastination, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I had a, a real awakening with my to-do list that it was bringing me really serious, serious um, anxiety. If it was too long, if it was like things were rolling over that I wasn't getting to, there, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was bringing all this stuff. And recently, I I had to have a whole talk with myself. I was like, okay, do you ever miss a deadline? Do you ever not get the work done? And I was like, no, I never miss deadlines. I always get the work done. So then I was like, well, what is this really about? Like, what's going mm. on for me? Like, what's underneath this? Or can I just approach this and be gentle with myself and be like, you know what? I'm going to get all these things done. And then I kind of moved to just prioritizing things and being like, this is realistic for me to get these four things done today. If I'm able to get one extra thing, great. But I just keep having these like positive talk conversations with myself where I'm like, you know what? 
I will get everything done on this list and it will all be okay. And I mean, that's what I've been starting with recently. And it has completely shifted my my whole outlook to my work and to my lists. Yeah, I love that, Robin. The reality is, is always something to do. Always. Always. That's life. I mean, and, and that's okay. For for this situation, I, I would highlight the concept of non-striving. So also, you know, maybe the concept of non-judging also, mm. right? Letting go of any judgment on yourself. Um, and so we, we all set goals. We all have them. But when we set those goals, the way we move oftentimes is we're so hyper-focused on those goals. Yes, yes. So what non-striving teaches us to do is to set the goals and then gently let them go and then bring our awareness and bring our presence to what's happening right here and right now. I always like to give the example first of athletes. And this is perfect Yeah. because, you know, this past summer I was watching a lot of sports, the French Open, the U.S. Open, um, the NBA Finals. And sports always reminds me. I, I, I just think it's a very mindful arena. Oh, for sure. Will. That's what separates you know. the the athletic from the champions. Right, exactly. So speaking of champions, that, that's that's the goal, right? That's the goal of every sport is to win that championship. But if, if the athlete is so hyper-focused on just winning that championship, they're not going to be able to perform effectively and efficiently in the moment yeah. during that yeah. first preseason practice, during that regular season practice, during the first play yep. of the regular season, right? So the idea is to set your goal and then let it go and then bring your attention back to the journey. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to forget about your goal. In fact, you can even revisit it every so often to get that inspiration. But then again, letting it go and returning. So in this kind of situation with Michael, your goal is your to-do list, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your goal is to get through your to-do list. So you have this, this to-do list. Gently, you can read it over, get an idea of what's, you know, what, what you have to do for the day or for the week, whatever it is for you. Then gently let it go. Let go of the entire to-do list. Then bring yourself to the moment, to the journey, and choose one task yes. from that to-do list. Yes. My humble advice <laughs> would be to choose the easiest task because that kind of gets the ball, you know, gets everything rolling. Yeah. Nothing like nothing like knocking that first one out. Like exactly. Made the that hair gets that momentum. Check. Right. <laughs> exactly. I did it. Exactly. Exactly. So choose that one. And but the, here's the kicker. When you're doing task A, having your full attention yes. with task A. This whole myth of multitasking, for the most part, it is a myth. Yeah. So when you're with task A, your whole attention is with task A. So what, what often happens, though, is when we're doing task A, we're also thinking in the back of our, mind, our minds. B, C, D, E, F, G. Oh, shit, I got to get to, right, I got to get to task B at such and such time. I got to get to task C in this, you know, how am I going to do task D, right? So, and that's where the practice really comes in. When I'm with task A, I'm with task A. I may allot a certain amount of time, right, yep. for task A. I'm going to do task A for an hour. When that hour comes, boom, I put task A to the side and I move on to task B. My full attention is now with task B. Yep. Did I do task A right? Maybe I can go, you know, no, my full attention is with task B. Yeah. 
right? So, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm completely aware that what I'm saying is easier said than done. Oh, it's very <laughs> difficult, for sure. Yeah. But this is, again, this is where the consistent practice comes into play. And you'll, I, I can almost guarantee that you'll find that it'll come easier. It'll come easier. And I, and I want to just backtrack to what you were saying, Robin, about perspective. I think that was so powerful about viewing, how, how, how do you view your task? Do you, do you view it in a stressful way? Or do you view it, oh, wow, I'm going to get my task done today. Yeah. This is yeah. fun, right? Let me have fun with it. And and I also want to say, like, I don't know Michael's, like, work-life setup. I know that I had a huge reframe because I went from – I gave up my day-to-day job, like, you know, at a, a tech company and right before the pandemic hit. And then I was became a freelancer as the pandemic hit. And I wow. had 20-some-odd years in corporate life where my 9-to-5 looked a certain way. and. Wow. I was expecting that now that I'm working out of my bedroom, I would work, sit at my desk from nine until five, banging out things on the to-do list. And (laughs) like that never happened in the office. I mean, I would take a break for lunch or I would walk and be like, hey, I'm going to get a snack. You want to walk downstairs with me? And you'd be catching up with people. And so I really had to reframe what mm-hmm. my workday looked like and my relationship to my to-do list of what's realistic and what is healthy for me to be doing. Yeah. It's so wild. So just being gentle with yourself, right? Yeah. Especially in today's world. That's what I'm, I'm thinking, you know, everything you're saying, Robin, just made me think of how everything in today's world is just so like that, that go, 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 go. you know, yeah. now, 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 you know, sometimes you just got to take a step back. Yeah. You know, and be like, you know, I have to be gentle with myself. I have to take a a chill pill. I think what's really interesting about Michael's question is that just once again showing us that even what on the surface may look like a a single issue or a simple question is not. They're connected Mm. to so many other things and, you know, and there's ways to, to get in there and and Michael, I hope you are gentle with yourself. I hope you, you know, are kind with the, the to-do list and check them off as they come. No, those are those are really great questions today, Robin. So, so relatable. Um, something, actually something that I've um, dealt with in, in my own life. And it sounds like the same for you. Yeah. Some courses that came up for me as I was listening to the questions is the basics course. Mm. Like really just, sometimes we just need to just start with that foundational just just the basics right so the basics course is is something that i would i would highly recommend on the app and then more specifically there's a fight procrastination video that i think would be um would be really awesome that sounds very good i want to check that out as soon as we're done recording but i'm going to (laughs) continue thinking about being here with you right now and then i will think about the (laughs) procrastination video i will not think about it now (laughs) indeed (laughs) all right well big thanks to to uv marie and michael for their questions and hey folks if you're out there and you have a burning question that you want to submit all you have to do is go to say hi.chat slash dear headspace and that link it just so happens to be in the show notes for your comfort and ease And if we use your question on the show, you are going to get three months of Headspace for free. And I don't know, you can use it, you can share it, whatever works for you. But um, I want to add one more thing. Um, As you know, each week we'd like to leave you with the opportunity to just kind of pause and reflect on everything that you heard today. So it's time to transition from this moment to the next. 
And as you listen to the recorded sounds from the very edge of a jungle, allow your mind to do whatever it wants to do in this moment. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy. And remember to be kind to each other and to yourself. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Mergia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz.